Matthew chapter 26 and verse 6 says, Now when Jesus was in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. When his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. And when Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. For you have the poor always with you, but me you have not always. For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. And verily I say unto you that wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this that this woman hath done be told for a memorial of her. Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went unto the chief priests, said unto them, What will you give me, and I will deliver him unto you? And they covenanted with him for thirty pieces of silver. And from that time he sought opportunity to betray him. I want to particularly bring your attention to verse 8, if I can, this morning. <clears throat> and when his, But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this waste? I want to preach to you this morning about being created for His purpose. Created for His purpose. Let's pray. Father, we thank You, Lord God, for Your presence that is here. We thank You, Lord, that as we've worshipped You, Lord, that Your wonderful presence has filled this house. That, Lord, already You've ministered to us, Lord. You've encouraged people. You've strengthened us as only Your Spirit can. But, Lord, as Your Word comes forth this morning, I pray that you would minister to us, Lord, that you would help our hearts to be open, to be willing to receive that which you've laid upon my heart this morning, Lord, I pray. We give you all the glory and all the honor, Lord, and this morning, Lord, we want to pray for Sister Adriana, you know, the pain that's in her back today, we ask you to minister healing to her, raise her up, Lord God, make her whole, and bring her back to your house, Lord God, we pray, Lord, and if there are any of our brethren that aren't here because of illness, Lord, we ask you to touch them. In Jesus' name, Lord, and restore them, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. Created for His purpose. We are in an age where there is, at least in some areas of the scientific community, those that are pro-evolution, a desperate desire to find evidence of life on other planets, to find the, uh, the missing piece of the puzzle that will be able to somehow legitimize the theory of evolution. Uh, this is not purely a scientific project, but one of the main motives, and you might think this is a little cynical, but it is true, is that if, we, if man is able, and I would be bold enough to say he never will, but if man is able to prove evolution he disqualifies god and if we were able theoretically to disqualify god then there is no longer any higher power or greater being that we are answerable to as humanity we don't no longer have to worry about things such as morals or virtues or what is right and what is wrong, because when you remove God from the equation, you take away the moral code that so much of our society is built upon. 
And that's one of the things that mankind wants to do. They want to remove the very idea that there is somebody that they must answer to. The Bible lets us know that all things were made by him and all things were made for him. And so as much as man will strive to do this, they will never successfully prove the theory of evolution. But to be able to disqualify God goes a step further than simply moral obligation. Because when you remove the idea of God and, and, and creation and, and any, of, any moral value or, or virtue, you also remove the purpose for life. Because without God, without the things that please God and the things that God wants us to have, we simply become living organisms that are born, that exist for our own pleasure, for our own happiness, and then at some particular time through the lottery of life we die. We go back to the earth and we, we rot and that's it. And life is seemingly without purpose. But I want you to know this morning that each and every one of you were created for His purpose. Amen. Every living soul was made for by Him and made for Him. And it does not matter whether your existence was planned, whether you were an accident. Not every pregnancy is planned. We understand that. We know that not everybody that had a baby planned on having a baby. But the moment that conception takes place, there is a plan in God's mind for that soul. That may have been an accident in the eyes of humanity, but once that life comes into existence, God has a plan and God has a purpose. My parents had been married a little longer than 12 months when my mother found out that she was pregnant with me and I was not planned. But what a wonderful surprise. What a wonderful surprise. Sometimes when we make plans, they don't turn out so well because they planned to have my little sister. Didn't turn out quite so well. And I hope she never listens to the podcast or I will be in trouble. But it does not matter whether you were planned or you were an accident or you were that extra child that came later in life that nobody thought was coming. However you came into existence, the moment that you were conceived, you had a purpose, you had a reason for living, you had a direction that God wants you to have. And we live in an age where the devil wants young people to believe that there is no purpose, that life is just this wandering mystery of not knowing why I'm here or what I'm supposed to do. And they look around at the aimless lives of others and you can understand why they feel that way. But Revelation 4 and 11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. That word pleasure does not mean the shallow application that we might use it in, but we are created that we would please Him, that something about who we are and what we do would reveal Him to this world. Another translation of that same verse says this. It says, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive the glory and the honor and the power. For you created all things, and because of your will they exist, and were created and brought into being. You need to turn to your neighbor this morning and say, I exist by the will of God. Now say it again like you mean it. Your parents may not have wanted you, but you exist this morning by the will of God. You may not have grown up in a wonderfully nurturing environment, but you still exist by the will of God. 
Because when humanity comes into existence, it's His image. No matter how broken, no matter how twisted, you exist because of God's purpose for you this morning. Hallelujah. We have a purpose today. But we need to understand that our purpose must be His purpose, not my purpose. My purpose leads to emptiness. My desires lead to a lack of satisfaction, to frustration, to a dead-end street, to something I thought was worth investing in but was worth nothing. But His purpose is a whole different thing. His purpose will bring me joy. His purpose will bring me an eternal value and blessing and hope in the Lord. If there's one thing this world does not have much of today, it is hope. And there's no reason they should have when they look at society. But He is our hope. He is my hope. And my hope, Brother Frost, you touched it this morning, is the return of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that He's coming in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, that suddenly it will happen. We'll go from being in this life to being in the next life. And that is the hope of the church. And without that, we waste our time this morning. But we believe today that Jesus is coming back for His people. We believe that He's coming back for those that are washed in His blood that bear His name, that are filled with His Spirit. He's coming back, the book of Ephesians says, for a bride that is spotless. A bride that He will present to Himself spotless with His righteousness, His holiness, and His glory. And that is our hope. But between now and then, however long that period of time is, we have a purpose. We have a purpose in this life. Romans 8 and 28, let's turn there together. You know, there are some verses in the Word of the Lord that people like to take a part thereof. They like to take the first statement or the last statement because they like that bit, but you have to take all of the Word of God. And Romans 8 and 28 says, And we know that all things work together for good, and some people like to stop the verse right there. They say, that's where it is. Everything's going to be great. But goes on to say, to them that love God. So there's a condition. If you want everything in your life to work for good, not everything to be good, not everything in life is good, you'll go through some hard stuff. But if you love God, it can work together for good. So we need to be those that love God, and to them who are the called according to His purpose. What is His purpose for my life? What is His will for my life? And that is the, the big question that so many people want an answer for. What is the will of God for me? What should I do? What should I become? Where should I go? Who should I marry? What profession should I pursue, etc.? Where should I buy a house? All of these things. But the will of God is not revealed in a destination. It's not revealed in a profession. It's not revealed in a relationship. The will of God and the purpose of God are that wherever you find yourself right now, that you need to love Him with everything that you have, that you need to serve Him with everything that you have, and you need to do everything you can to give Him glory and honor right now. That is the will of God. It doesn't matter who you are, that's God's will. I can say 100% confident that that is God's will for you right now. doesn't matter how old you are. doesn't matter how rich or how poor you are. It doesn't matter where you've come from or even where you're going. 
right now. God's will for me is that I would love Him with everything that I have, that I would be wanting His purpose in my life. If we would focus more on that, we would not have to worry as much about what is coming later. Because if I'm busy loving Him and serving Him now, He'll take care of what's yet to come. Bless the Lord. We talked about that recently with seeking first the kingdom of God. But if I'm if there's one thing that you remember by the time I'm done this morning, it's, I want it to be this, that you have a purpose. Young person, you've got a purpose for living. The old song says, He is my reason for living. We have a purpose today. But we need to understand that our purpose is not even defined in how we serve Him. My purpose, His purpose in my life is not to be the pastor of this church. Hang on a sec, are you leaving? No, I'm not going anywhere. Don't blow the balloons up just yet. My purpose, above all else, is that I would glorify Him, that I would give Him glory. If I am filling a function or an office or a ministry or something else, that can be a part of that. But even that is an extension of my purpose. You may end up being a preacher. You might be a youth leader. You might be a worship leader, a musician, a Bible study teacher, an outreach person, whatever it might be, but that is an extension of your purpose. That is not your purpose. Your purpose, first and foremost, is that I am a child of God and that whatever I do, whatever life throws me, I have to be able to give Him glory in that situation. And it's not always going to make sense purpose of God doesn't always make sense. The prophet Isaiah told us, he said, this is the Lord speaking, said, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. We do a lot, we benefit a lot by understanding that his will and my will are not the same thing. Sometimes we wish they were, other times we find out we're glad they weren't. Because if we had a followed our own will, we, we would have been shipwrecked. But he said, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. He does not think the way that we think. He does not measure the way that we measure. And when he makes plans and his purpose for us is not going to line up with everything that you may necessarily think your life is about. But you need to be willing to say, Lord, I'm going to surrender my will. I'm going to submit myself to your purpose. You may have, you may have stories that you can tell of the things that have happened in your life that would make the, back, the hair on the back of our next end up. But if you're willing to pursue God in the right now, all things can still work together for good. To them that love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Jeremiah 29 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Now, it does not say, the Lord said, I know the thoughts. that He didn't say, I'm going to tell you what they are. He just said, I know what they are. You have to trust me. I know the thoughts that I think toward you. I know what your life is about. I know the reason that you're here. But you just have to trust me. He will not take us down a path that will destroy us if we will trust Him. Amen. We need to understand today we have a purpose. I'm particularly feeling this in my spirit for our young people this morning. In a world that is just aimless, you have a purpose. You see that home missions video you saw up there? 
Pastor Jacob Coltabiano, Pastor Cameron Butcher, the Home Missions Director who sent us that video. It wasn't that long that those young men and I were going to youth camps together. It wasn't that long ago that we were doing things that the Lord's forgiven us for and we're not going to tell you about because we were young and stupid. Well, foolish, maybe. But you have a purpose, young people. You have a purpose. You have a reason to live right now. And it is the best reason. There are so many examples in the Word of God of people whose lives, there were things that happened that didn't seem to make sense, but God had a purpose. You read the book of Genesis as a, a young man. It's, it's one of my favorite passages in the, in the Word of the Lord, the story of Joseph. This young man who was born into a family where there was more than one wife and a whole bunch of siblings and there was conflict between wives and conflict between brothers and con just conflict all the time. And he was born into this particular family and became his father's favorite son. That wasn't his fault. He didn't apply for that. There wasn't a competition one day where whoever won got to be the favorite kid. For whatever reason, he was Jacob's favorite son. And he grew up with that, and that caused him a lot of pain from his brothers to the point that, if you know the story, eventually they sold him into slavery. And this young man, through no fault of his own, was taken down to Egypt and made a slave in a strange land. Strange language, strange customs, strange food, strange religion. Everything was strange. But he, he, he had no choice. These decisions were made by others for him. And so he worked hard and he became the, the head servant in the house, which was probably about the best he could hope for. And then he was framed and thrown into prison. And in prison, God spoke to him and used him to interpret the dreams of a couple of his fellow prisoners. And he said, please remember me when you get out. And they said, sure. And then they forgot all about him. And the things that he told them about their dreams came to pass. One of them was restored to his position in Pharaoh's palace. The other one had his head cut off. And then one day, just like they'd had a dream that troubled them, Pharaoh had a dream that troubled him. And the butler that had been restored to the palace, suddenly he remembered He's like, oh, yeah. And he said, oh, Pharaoh, there was this man in the prison. And so they went and got Joseph. They dragged him out of the prison. They probably gave him a shower and a shave and a fresh set of clothes before they brought him to the palace. And he stood before Pharaoh and by the power of God interpreted Pharaoh's dreams and was able to be a vital piece in the saving of the nation of Egypt but not only Egypt, but the saving of his father's family that he'd been unfairly taken from. And he was able to lead them as they... If, um, this a, could take all day and tell the story, but eventually what happened was his brothers, the very ones that had sold him, came to Egypt because they were desperate for food and they stood before their baby brother Joseph. But he didn't look like them anymore. See, they were just, they were traveling Bedouins, we'd probably call them nowadays. They were moving from one place to another with their flocks and living in tents. And, but he was an Egyptian. He'd been there for some time. He dressed like an Egyptian. He spoke like an Egyptian. He had his hair cut like an Egyptian. They didn't recognize their brother. 
And all through this process, God has got a purpose. And finally, after he puts them through a few tests to find out if they're, where their hearts are at, and eventually Joseph is, it's, and this is one of the, the, my, I cannot help but get emotional when I read this story. It doesn't matter how many times I read it of when Joseph and Jacob are reunited. And Jacob, for all those years, had mourned the loss of his son. And finally, they, they're able to be reunited, and Jacob realizes that his son is not dead. And it's, it's one of those, you know, it'd make a great movie. You know, this, this reunion, this, 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 the joy and the love, and, and they, they fell into each other's arms and wept, and wept at that reunion. But then God used Joseph to, to save his family and to bring them down to Egypt, but then eventually Jacob died, and the brothers became concerned. Because they, were, they had a bit of a concern that, that because their father was alive, that Joseph wasn't going to do anything. But then Jacob died and the brothers went, we might be in for it now. Dad's not here anymore. Joseph doesn't have to worry about what dad says anymore. He might finish us because he was the prime minister. And they came to him and they came gently and just sort of tried to be nice and maybe they brought him a present, I don't know. But, and Joseph, but the thing that Joseph said to them was this, in, in Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20. He said to his brothers, he said, But as for you, you thought evil against me. So when you sold me, it was nothing but evil. It was hatred. You wanted to destroy me. He said, But God meant it unto good, to bring to pass as it is this day, to save much people alive. Now, if you gave Joseph the choice, stay home with dad and grow up or go the slave route, I promise you would have chosen to stay with dad. But God had a purpose. And the reason that, that purpose was fulfilled because somehow through all of that stuff, Joseph kept the right spirit. Joseph maintained his integrity. Joseph still was able to somehow serve the God of his father, Jacob. And you need to understand the, when, it, when we talk about God that Jacob worshipped, there was no Bible. There was no church. Joseph didn't go to Sunday school like these kids are blessed to go to here today. We didn't even have the law of Moses at that stage. We just knew that he was the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, and somewhere along the way that it got into Joseph's heart so that when they took him and transplanted him to Egypt, he was able to keep himself right. And because of that, the purpose of God was fulfilled. God had a purpose for Joseph's life. It wasn't the script that Joseph would have written himself. But my, my message to you this morning is if you will trust God, regardless of what's going on or the things you've had to go through, He has a purpose. And if you continue to look to Him, He'll bring His will to pass. I cannot tell you what would have happened if Joseph had got bent out of shape. If when he went down there, he forsook the God of his father, Jacob, began to worship Ra and Isis and all these, all these other gods, the Egyptians, where they worshipped the river, they worshipped the sun, they worshipped all sorts of stuff. In natural thinking, that would have been completely justified. Where is the God of my father? Here I am, a slave. I've done the right thing. I get thrown into prison because I'm falsely accused. I'm not sure that I could have kept my integrity like Joseph did. But because he kept 
his heart right. Uh, but when I say he kept his heart right, that doesn't mean he didn't have a bad day. I want to promise you when he was in that dungeon, there were nights he didn't sleep. There were nights that he cried until he could cry no more. There were days when he felt like there was no hope. There seemed to be no way out of the prison cell, but somewhere in the midst of all of that, Joseph hung on, and the purpose of God was fulfilled. Hallelujah. So often in our lives, God's purpose comes out of suffering. So often it comes out of things that we would not choreograph for ourselves. But God says, if you will trust me, you're called according to my purpose. If you will love me, if you will put your hand in my hand, I'm going to bring this about. I'm going to use you to give me glory. I'm going to use you that through you I'm going to be exalted because ultimately that's his purpose. It's not that you would be exalted. It's not that you would be glorified, but it's that he would be glorified. And sometimes that means I've got to decrease that he might increase. Sometimes that means I've got to go down into the dungeon, as it were, that God might be exalted through me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Joseph said to his brothers, don't worry about it. Trust me, I, I imagine thoughts of revenge. I imagine him wrestling. When he first saw his brothers, he, he had flesh just like you and I. We've got to be careful sometimes we don't turn Bible characters into superheroes. They were human beings just like you and me. When he first saw his brothers, you know the old cartoons they used to have where you had the little angel on one shoulder and the little devil on the other one? I promise you the little devil was chirping. He was saying, kill these guys. You've waited a long time. You don't have to answer to anybody. Kill them all. But fortunately, Joseph maintained his integrity. And God's will was accomplished. Bless Lord. You see, we, we have to understand that when God's purpose in Joseph's life was achieved, it played a part of a bigger picture. That was an even bigger picture. That ultimately came to being God manifest in the flesh that came through that family. Had he not done that, I don't know how the Lord, the Lord would have taken care of it somehow. I know that. But it would have been a different narrative to what we read today. Amen. In 2 Kings chapter 5, we read about a man named Naaman. He was a captain in the army of Syria. He was a mighty man. He was highly regarded and respected, but he was also a leper. He had a terrible disease that they could not cure. The Bible says that in his house, there was a young lady, a maid, she's called, that had been taken captive out of Israel. So a little bit like Joseph, she was a slave. She'd been brought back into that house, and she was a slave. And she overheard the conversations about Naaman's illness and the hopelessness. And, you know, again, she said, well, serve him right. You know, he deserves it because he would have been involved in, in killing some of her people. But she said, there's a prophet in Israel. There's a man of God down there. He said, if you would go and see him, he would recover you or he would be able to bring you healing from your leprosy. She filled her purpose she allowed God to use her in a difficult situation. Now, you and me, again, I'd have been like, I hope he gets it bad. I hope he gets the worst case of leprosy in recorded history. But no, she was willing to extend 
the kind of spirit that God would have her to extend. Let's, let's go to Matthew 11 together. have a purpose this morning. God has a purpose for your life. We are created for His purpose. Bless the Lord. Matthew chapter 11. We'll start to read at verse 1. It says, And it came to pass that when Jesus had made an end of commanding His twelve disciples, that He departed thence to teach and preach in their cities. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples, said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? And Jesus answered, said unto them, Go and show John again those things which you do see, hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And then in verse 6 he said, And blessed is he, Whosoever shall not be offended in me. And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, What went you out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? But what went ye out to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what went you out to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet, for this is he of whom it is written. Behold, I will send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Verily I say unto you that among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. John the Baptist had a very special ministry. In fact, he was prophesied about from the Old Testament that there would come one in the spirit of Elijah that would prepare the way of the Lord. And when you read the beginning of the Gospels, you see that John's parents were aged, couldn't have children, but miraculously, Zechariah and Elizabeth were able to have a son. And his name was to be called John. And he, he was set aside for a particular purpose from the time that he was born. He was preordained of God to serve in that particular purpose. And much I don't, the Bible doesn't tell us a lot about his, his adolescence or his, his upbringing and what his father tried to teach him or, or how he tried to show him where he fit in the scriptures or whether he did it all, I don't know. But there came a point in John's life when he began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, make, make your path straight, the Lord is coming. And he was out in the, near the river Jordan and baptizing and the whole, the whole nation, thousands of people were coming out to hear this wild prophet in the desert sunburnt, wearing camel's hair clothing, eating grasshoppers and honey. No, thank you very much. But that was his ministry. That was his purpose. And they came out to him in the multitudes. And he even challenged the religious leaders. And he said, don't come. This is just paraphrasing. He said, don't come to get baptized because everybody else is doing it. Go and repent. Demonstrate that you're sincere. An incredible man of God. Jesus said, there's nobody like John the Baptist." Even the Lord himself went and was baptized of John in the river Jordan in preparation for his ministry. But the scripture says that John paid a price for his brutal honesty, that the king, that Herod 
had been involved in an immoral situation where he'd taken his brother's wife. It seems he might have even had his brother killed, taken his wife, and John had told him what he was. You're an adulterer. You're a sinner. You're a wicked man. And they didn't like that too much, so they threw John into prison. If you look at the Gospels, John was thrown into prison somewhere over on the east side of the Dead Sea, a far way away from where Jesus was ministering and everything was happening. And when you look at commentaries, there are different opinions about how long John ministered. Some, some say it was as brief as six months. Some say it may have even been up to 18 months or two years. But the point is, his ministry was very short. His whole life was preparing for this ministry. But it was very short, and he was thrown into prison. And there's John in the prison, and I, I can only imagine what's going through his mind. You know, he's, he's gone back, he's backtracking. What did I do? Did I make a mistake? I didn't think this was where, you know, this is not what I thought was going to be the outcome of my ministry. Maybe he had some idea that when his little time in the wilderness was finished that he and Jesus would evangelize together. They were cousins after all. Only six months difference in age. Maybe, maybe somewhere he saw himself fitting into what Jesus was going to do. I mean, he didn't know about the 12 apostles, but maybe he had plans of, of longevity that involved serving the Lord. But instead, we find him in a prison. And in the midst of his discouragement, perhaps, his confusion, his wondering, he sends two men to Jesus and he says, Are you the one that we should look for? He needs to know that what he did was worth doing. And find the Lord responds and says, Tell John all the wonderful, miraculous things you see. But in verse 6, he said, And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. That's a weird way to finish that conversation. But he was sending a message to John. I'm not coming for you, John. I'm not going to bring you out of the prison. Don't be offended, John. Hang on. And we know that eventually, not long after that, that wicked king that had thrown him in prison has his head cut off and brought on a silver platter as a gift at a party. There's some wicked people in this world. And that man's ministry came to an end, probably in his early 30s, thereabouts. And you think, what a waste. But God had a purpose. And John fulfilled his purpose he did what god wanted him to do and he kept i believe his spirit right until the end and he fulfilled the purpose of god in his life you see too often we like to imagine what god wants us to do and to be whereas we just need to focus on allowing him to have his way we go back to matthew 26 where this began jesus is in the house of simon the leper and the woman comes in with the alabaster box and pours it upon his head as he sat at meat. And verse 8 says that his disciples saw it and they had indignation. That means that they were annoyed. But it's even stronger than annoyed. That they were angry and annoyed. They said, to what purpose was this waste? They said, this doesn't make any sense. This is a valuable thing that she's basically just wasted. They said, what's the point of her actions? But Jesus inform them whether they understood it then or they it came to their understanding later i don't know but he spoke to them of how it was symbolic of his coming death and his burial how it was like like a pre-anointing towards what he was about to go through and he said because of her actions he said they're going to preach about this 
throughout history. And so just in obedience to that, we're doing that again this morning. She, she, she did something that didn't make a lot of sense in the natural. It was valuable. It could have, it could have been used for the poor. It, she could have kept it and sold it and used it to somehow make her life more comfortable. I don't know. But it did not make sense. They said this, this waste has no purpose. But Jesus saw a purpose that his disciples did not see. And this morning, if you were going to serve the Lord, there are going to be decisions that you will make that your families and that the world will say, this is a waste of your energy. It's a waste of your talents and the things that you could be doing with your life. But God has a purpose for you this morning. Some of you will leave behind opportunities in the world professionally and different avenues of life because you understand that you have a purpose that is higher than what this world has to offer. And in that same passage, we see her. I don't even think that that lady understood all of what she was doing, but something had moved her. She couldn't sit down and give you a Bible study of who Jesus was and how he was God manifest in the flesh, come to be our Redeemer. She didn't know all of that stuff. But something in her heart just, was, just filled her up and wanted to demonstrate an act of worship for the Lord. And in that same passage... In verse 14, after those disciples had been so indignant, the Bible says that Judas Iscariot went unto the chief priests and he offered them a deal. He said, oh, if you will pay me, I will deliver him into your hands. Judas was never meant to be the fall guy. I know we look at the Old Testament and we can say there's prophecy there. And yes, he did fulfill that prophecy, but he was not born for that purpose. He was born for the purpose of God, just like you and I are. But just like him, you and I will make choices. And he made a choice to fulfill his own will. Because when Judas saw the alabaster box, his cash register was going off in his head. And he knew how much money that was worth. And he could, if he had been able to get them to sell it, he could have taken some for himself. And you see his response is to instantly go and offer to betray the Lord for money. That was never the purpose of God for Judas. But he sought his own purpose. Bless the Lord. Stand with me, if you will, this morning. Sister Stanker, if I could have you, please, on the piano. This morning, every one of you is made for a purpose. Every one of you is unique. No two of you are the, some of us are similar in some ways, but no two of us are identical. And God has a purpose for you. Moses, your purpose is different to Chi-Chi's. Chi-Chi, your purpose is different to George's, and so on and so forth. And some of you have got things in your past that weren't good, that were things that happened to you that were out of your control, that other, like Joseph. But then, if we're honest, we've also got things in our past that are a product of our own choices. Things we did, mistakes we chose to make, that while we'd like to blame somebody else, if we're honest, we have to put a hand up and say, my fault, my decision. But even with all of that, if we want to serve God today, even if it's hard for us to understand, He can take all of those things that have happened and He can use them somehow to suit and fill His purpose in the right now. Because you have a purpose None of you are here taking up space. 
None of you are here just to come to church and, well, there's other people doing all the good stuff. I'm just filling in. I'm just ballast. You know, there's no dead weight in the kingdom of God. Nobody is designed to be carried. We do carry one another sometimes. I understand that when there are needs. But, but in, in an overall principle, nobody, nobody here is meant to just be a passenger. We're all meant to have a purpose. It's not all preaching. God help us if we had 100 preachers in the church place would be a nightmare but each one of us if we want to find our purpose it's not found by looking for a job description it's not found by well you know i think that i'd be a really good youth leader or i you know i think that when sister Denka's time is finished i'd really really good music director yeah, that may be true but that's not your purpose your purpose is to glorify him your purpose is to be willing, as John the Baptist said, to decrease. You never have a position. If you, never, if, somebody's, if you can never quantify what you do for God, all of us can be worshipers. All of us. That's what it's about. That in my life, somehow, thou art worthy, O Lord, we read from Revelation, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created, hast all things created. And all things were made for his pleasure. That's my purpose. Yes, he's called me to preach. Yes, he's called me to pastor this church. But my first priority is to bring him pleasure. To give him glory. To give him honor this morning.